Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 24. Psalm 24, I'm going to read verse 7. Psalm 24, verse 7. Psalm 24, verse 7. Amen. I read. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The King of glory shall come in. Amen. Um, for a few minutes this morning, the topic we are going to be discussing is lift up your heads, O ye gates. And I actually want us to pray. We are going to be praying for some minutes, so the message may not be long. I said it may not, so if it is long, don't say I said it will not be long. I said it may not. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So lift up your heads, O ye gates. And I want you to visualize a king that is coming with all his authority, all his splendor, all that you expect of a king. And as the king approaches, there are hindrances on the path of that king. There are stumbling blocks on the path of that king. In spite of all the power, and all the splendor with which the king is advancing. There are limitations that are cropping up in front of the king. And so the king, the, a command comes forth and says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. In other words, the obstacles that stand on the path of this king can be identified as gates, as everlasting doors. And in like manner, whatever be the obstacles on our path today, at the command of the Lord, they will be lifted up in Jesus' name. At the divine command, they will be lifted in Jesus' name. And so this morning, even as we start looking at that topic, lift up your heads, O ye gates. I want to look at just a part of that statement. What are gates? What is a gate? As far as the scripture is concerned, a gate is a place of entrance, a place of accessibility, a point at which you are given access to a location. And many a times when we talk of a gate, something that comes up in our mind is one that is uh, physical. We normally look at a gate as a physical barrier. But brethren, we know that a gate may not be physical. A gate may be spiritual. It could be a limitation that says you are not going beyond this point. It could be a limitation that says you are not going beyond this level. But if there be any gate on your path, the Lord himself will lift it up today in Jesus' name. It's the commandment of the Lord. And so we're going to be looking at some situations in the scriptures that show us what gates stand for and what has occurred 
at those realms. If you go to the Bible, you find out that the, the, a study on gates is a very, very big and comprehensive one. So it's not something you can exhaust in a day. And more so when I say I want us to pray this morning, we'll just look at a few things and then we'll begin to pray. A gate is a meeting place where decisions are made and the destiny of individuals are established and set for the future or for generations to come. It's a place where decisions are made. And we see a very simple example. In Genesis chapter 23, the Bible tells us that Abraham's only wife, and that was Sarah, she died. And Abraham needed a burying place or a burial place, as the case may be, for his wife. And so he went to the people of the land and said, there is a cave I have found here that will be a good place for me to lay my wife to rest. It's called the cave of Machpelah. So he went, he made a request. If you look at from verses 9 downwards up to verse 18, there was, I mean, uh, some form of exchange between him and the people of the land. But the key verse I want us to take note is verse 18 that says, Unto Abraham for a possession, that is, he bought that piece of land, it became a possession for him in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of his city. And brethren, that plot of land that Abraham bought, if you, if you study the scriptures, it is where Abraham was buried, it is where Sarah was buried, it is where Isaac was buried. It is where Rebekah was buried. It is that same place that Leah, I mean, uh, uh, Jacob was buried, and it's where Leah was buried. So those three generations, every one of them was buried on that plot of land because an agreement was reached at the gate. Remember I said decisions are made that impact generations. Decisions are made that go beyond just the present, just the circumstances. And that is why what happens at the gate is very important. It's very important. What's the point? I mean, there was, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 34, we are made to understand that Jacob had a daughter by name Dina. She went into the, um, the people of the land. And as part of her playing around, she met a young man. And the young man defiled her. And the Bible says Jacob kept his peace until his children came back from the field. And of course, the children got to know what had happened. And so the, 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 the young man was a man of honor. He came with his father. When you look at Genesis 34, From verse 20 to 26, we will see that after the man came with his father to Jacob and his children that, look, we want to marry your daughter. We want to live together. We want you to forgive us for whatever has happened. The children of Israel told him, no, we can only intermarry with you if your men are what? Circumcised. But brethren, 
it was a ploy. Jacob had no problem with it, but the children of Israel had their plans. And they went and told them, and the, I mean, Hamor and Shechem went to the gate of their own city. And they began to interact with all the men of their city. That look, these people are very industrious. Let's intermarry with them. If we do, whatever belongs to them becomes ours. And they convinced the men of their city to do what? To be circumcised at a given time. Like I said, the children of Israel, I mean, the sons of Jacob knew what they were doing. Once they realized that the men of that city were all circumcised, the Bible says they were sore. The sons of Jacob, specifically Simeon and Levi, went and descended upon that city. And they killed all the men in the city. Why? They said, this man has defiled our daughter. And we cannot allow him to live. But what am I trying to bring out? A decision was made at the gate of their city. And that was the decision that resulted in the death of that, of that lineage or nation, as the case may be. So decisions have repercussions. If they had known that this was a plan, I'm very sure that if those men had not been circumcised, there's no way, of course, except God intervenes on their behalf, there's no way two men could have come in and destroyed a whole city. But when all the men have been circumcised and they knew they were sold, there was nothing they could do. They killed all the men. So decisions have repercussions. And when you look at that story, when you, when, when you take it further, so that's a story from Genesis 34 from verse 20 to 26. But when you take it further, you find out that Jacob was not happy with what his sons did. And so in Genesis 49 from verse 5 to verse 7, when Jacob was about to die, what did he do? He, caused, he placed a curse on Simeon and Levi. Genesis 49 verse 5. Jacob said, Simeon and Levi, they are brethren. They are instruments of cruelty. I mean, instruments of cruelty are what? In their habitations. He said, oh my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor be not united. For in their anger they slew a man. In their self will they dig down a wall. Cause be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath. For it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. This was the pronouncement that Jacob made on his sons. Because of the way they took vengeance upon Hamor, Shechem, and, the, and, and their brethren. But you see, our God, like we have been I mean, talking about from the beginning of this month, our God is a God of restoration. Is a God of what? And so even if you have got to the point of, I mean, uh, incurring his judgment, he still restores. Provided you stand for him. And that's what, start, I mean, that's what happened there. Eventually, even though Jacob said, let Levi and Simeon be scattered in Israel, my soul come not into their means. Oh, they are caused, they destroyed a man, they defiled a city. The Bible says, there came a day that the children of Israel sinned against God. 
in Exodus chapter 32, from verse 26 to verse 30, 28, they sinned against God. Moses went to the mountain. He came down, and what did he meet? They had built the, the molten calf. And he asked a very simple question. He said, who is on the Lord's side? Exodus 32, verse 26. Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And the Bible says, all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. In spite of the anger with which they were dealing, there came a day that the sons of Levi separated themselves from whatever cause they were, they, they were contending with. How did they do that? They made up their mind that we are on the Lord's side. Tell somebody, I am on the Lord's side. That's very important. Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? The sons of Levi came unto Moses and said, we are on the Lord's side. But brethren, being on the Lord's side has consequences. Being on the Lord's side goes beyond just saying, I am on the Lord's side. Because when they came unto Moses, look at what he said unto them in verse 27. He said unto them, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side. Go in and out from gate to gate, throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Because they had sinned against the Lord. Because the alternative was that God would destroy the whole nation. And so rather than destroy the whole nation, said, if there's anyone on my side who can stand for me to execute judgment. And that was what God did with, with the Levites. They, of their own volition, came out and said, we are on the Lord's side. And the Bible says in verse 28 of that passage, the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And their fellow, the people that day, how many men? How many men? 3,000 men. 3,000 men. That was the beginning of the restoration of Levi. Moses, I mean, uh, Jacob placed a cause that they will be scattered in Israel. But one day they made up their mind that we are on the Lord's side. Tell somebody again, I am on the Lord's side. And being on the Lord's side is not just saying, I am on the Lord's side. You must be ready to stand for God. You must be ready to act for God. You must be ready to, to be found. When God says, who will stand for me? It's like in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, when the, 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 the Lord said, when Isaiah was in, and before the throne, whom shall I send? Or who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said what? Here I am. Send me. There are consequences. The Lord is looking for men and women who will be on his side. Men and women who will stand for righteousness. Men and women who will stand for holiness. Men and women who can truthfully declare and say, we are in the world, but not what? Not of the world. Men and women who will stand and say, I will influence the world. The world will not influence me. And there is a price to pay for it, brethren. But if God can find you standing on his side, 
there is a reward. Testimony, there is a reward. Jacob had made a pronouncement upon Simeon and Levi. But because Levi decided, the Levites decided that we are on the Lord's side. When the opportunity came, they were set out. They were separated. And so when Moses was about to die, the pronouncement of Jacob was reversed. It's like uh, what, what uh, our general Vassar normally says. It says, if your father causes you, you can go to your pastor, right? If your pastor causes you, the pastor has a senior pastor. There's a line of authority. Let's just say, go to the general Vassar, right? If the general Vassar causes you, you can go to who? Go to God. It's God that made him general overseer. If God causes you, who do you go to? You are totally on your own. Unless you go before God and ask for mercy and say, Lord, I have done what I ought not to have done. God will not curse you. Somebody does not like that prayer. I say, God will not curse you. Because if you are operating with a divine cause, it is finished. You will operate under divine blessings in Jesus' name. So Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 33 from verse 8 to 11. Deuteronomy chapter 33 from verse 8 to 11. Moses said, And of Levi, let thy Tomim and thy Urim, those are instruments of uh, divination before the Lord, be with thy Holy One, whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. Who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him. Neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children. For they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. Moses made reference to this act of the children of Levi in releasing the blessings upon them. He said in verse 10, They shall teach Jacob thy judgments, and Israel like thy law. They shall put incense before thee, Whole bond sacrifice upon your altar. Verse 11. He said, bless the Lord his substance. Accept the work of his hands. Smile through the loins of them that rise against him. And of them that hate him. That they rise not again. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? He said, God bless his substance and accept the work of his hands. That, that alone can make a man. True or false? If God will bless your substance... That means your substance will do what? Will do what? Will increase. Will multiply. If God will... Then he says, accept the work of your hands. When you look at the scriptures, men and women that God could look at and say, this is my own. Brethren, they were very prosperous. Our God is a prosperous God. True or false? That's the truth. Abraham was not a poor man. Was he? Isaac was not a poor man, was he? The Bible says Isaac sold in the land and he reaped what? There is a hundredfold, there is sixtyfold, there is thirtyfold. From the, the, from the, uh, the parable of Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 13. Isaac did not stop, he did not even start at 30. He didn't start at 60. Where did he start? Hundredfold. When you are on the side of the Lord, hundredfold blessing is your portion. 
And I pray for someone here today. Hundredfold blessing is your portion. In the name of Jesus. I say hundredfold blessing is your portion. In the name of Jesus. So he says, bless his substance. Accept the work of his hands. But he didn't stop at that. Some people are blessed. But, or, I mean, or, do I say they are blessed? Some people have substance. They have some things in abundance. But every day they are contending with one force or the other. Today is sickness. Tomorrow is armed robber. Next, tomorrow, it, all the bank accounts in the bank, it's only your own that somebody broke through and they stole your money. It's always one issue or the other. But look at this blessing. It says, smile through the loins of them that rise against him. So, is it, uh, uh, what do they call them? Is it 419? He said, God should smile through their loins. Is it the lecturer that says you are not going to graduate? He said, God should smile through his loins. I, it's what the Bible says. Oh. Is it that your, your boss in the office that says because you are a Christian, you will not survive in this place of work? Is it God should do what? He's risen against you. Smite through the loins of them that rise against him. And of them that hate him. <laughs> Anybody that hates you, the Lord is saying they will not rise again. Amen. You may not understand the meaning of that. When the Lord is saying they will not rise again, there are a lot of things that have been omitted there. He said those that hate you will not rise again. In other words, they will fall. And when they fall, there's no rising for them. Simply because God is on your side. Is anyone here on whose side God is? God will be on your side if you are on his side. And he will arise for you in Jesus' name. I say he will arise for you in Jesus' name. Moses reversed whatever Cause was placed on Levi. Because Levi was found on God's side. Like I said earlier on, when we talk of gates, it's very easy to look at gates as the physical, but gates could be spiritual. And from there, we are, going to be, we are going to just look at one thing and then we'll start praying. The Bible says there was a day that Jacob was running away from his brother, Esau. Because he had just taken his blessings. And he got to the wilderness. He was tired. And he slept. And the scripture says, something happened. Where he slept, Jacob had a dream. Somebody will have a dream tonight. Amen. I think somebody will have a dream tonight. If you have the dream I'm talking about, it's going to be a positive one. It will be a dream of a blessing. Amen. What happened to Jacob? In Genesis 28, from verse 10 to verse 17. Genesis 28, verse 10 to verse 17. Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place. And tarried there all night. Because the sun was set. He took the sun of that place. And put them for his pillows. And he laid down in that place. To sleep. And the Bible says he dreamed. He did what? He had a dream. He saw a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reached to heaven. The angels of God doing what? Ascending and descending. 
The angels of God taking his request to God and doing what? Bringing the answers to those requests. You know, as we're going to pray uh, today, as we pray, somebody's request will be taken to God. But that will not be, it will not stop there. As your requests are taken to God, answers will be brought back to you. And you will receive your answers today in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, Behold, the Lord stood above that, uh, the ladder and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac. The land where you dwell will I give to you and to your seed. Go to verse 14. Your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. You will spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You see, what happened to Jacob here was that Jacob was not too sure. He had been blessed by his father. But he knew that that blessing, there was some color to it. Because when his father was blessing him, his father thought he was blessing Esau. So he was running away because his, his, his brother Esau said, hey, Jacob, the next time I set my eyes on you, I will do what? I will kill you. Esau said he will kill Jacob. And that's why Jacob was running away. And Jacob needed a reassurance. Maybe you are here this morning and you need a reassurance. God will give you that assurance. Amen. I said God will give you that assurance. Amen. Maybe you are here and you are beginning to wonder. God told me this. God told me this. God told me this. But when I look around me, I see nothing that resembles the promise God has given me. Receive the assurance today in Jesus' name. It's very important. Jacob needed a reassurance. In fact, he would have been thinking, my daddy blessed me. And maybe he was thinking, I will inherit his cattle and his goat and his sheep. Now I'm running away from everything that my daddy has. Is there any hope for me? Tell somebody there's hope for you. Because the Lord himself met Jacob and said, I will bless you. And the Lord is saying to someone here today, I will bless you. Amen. I said, the Lord is saying to someone here today, I will bless you. Amen. The Bible says, when Jacob, I mean, God gave him that assurance. He said, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you again to this land. Verse 15, he said, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And I think that should, that should be a reassurance to someone here. He said, I will be with you. Amen. He said, I will not leave you. Amen. He said, whatever I have spoken unto you, it shall come to pass. Amen. When God was talking to Jacob, was he sleeping in his room? Did he have a beautiful pillow? What type of pillow was he using? A stone. And yet God came through for him. And I want, I'm sure everybody present here today, your situation is more pleasant than the one Jacob was on that day. Is that not so? You are hearing the word of God in a, in a, in a beautiful church. Isn't our church beautiful? In a beautiful church with AC. And the Lord is speaking his word unto you. You have your brethren around you. Jacob was the last child. He was alone. He was a lonely man. God met him in the wilderness. 
How much more you and I who have Jesus? The Lord will meet you today. I said, the Lord will meet you today. And every promise he has given unto you will come to pass in Jesus' name. Because the statement that Jacob made on that day applies to this place. In verse 17, the Bible says, Jacob was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but what? This is none other but what? The house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is the place of your divine encounter. This is the place where the Lord says, I have a covenant to make with you. This is the place where the Lord is saying, I am going to turn your life around. This is the place that the Lord is saying, your case is different. Tell somebody my case is different. No, in fact, it's not just different. Because at times when you say it's different, it could be negative. Say, my case is gloriously different. Do you understand what that means? It means from this point, somebody is, on, is embarking on a journey from glory to glory. From this point, somebody is embarking on a journey from beauty to beauty. In fact, the Bible says that somebody here, God is giving you beauty for ashes. In other words, what you have lost, the replacement will be so glorious that what you have lost is not comparable. That's why the Bible says the, 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 the glory of this letter house shall be what? Shall be greater than the former. Let the former go because the later is more glorious. Let the former go because the later is wonderful. This is the gate of heaven. It's the place of your divine encounter. And every decision the enemy has made concerning you, the Lord himself will reverse today in Jesus' name. I want to remind us, brethren, that the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, it says, shall a man rob God? Shall a man do what? I don't know. Can you please put that in on the screen? Malachi chapter 3, from verse 8. I'm be, I may mean, be fast to change it. Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? He said, you have robbed me. He said, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, in what? In what? In what? He said, you are caused with a cause. He said, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Go on, verse 10. He said, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now here with, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out, what? Remember, we've been talking about blessings today. The window of heaven is a gate of blessing. It's a gate of divine release. He said that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Go to the next verse. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I'm, I'm bringing this up because remember earlier on I said, some people have abundance, right? But together with the abundance, what do they have? They have trouble. They have calamity. 
It's one problem after the other. You have a million dollars in the bank. And then before you know it, your $230,000 uh, car, what happens to it? It's a write-off. Your story becomes like the story of Job, except for one thing. While Job was a faithful man with God, you are not. And then someone will say, ah, thank God, though. If this had happened and I didn't have that money in the bank, I wouldn't have been able to resolve it. But the money you had in the bank, if it is your tithe, I can assure you that if you had paid your tithe, that would not have happened. I pray for someone here again today. God will bless you. Because the opposite of blessing is what? It's a cause. It's a cause. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. You know, there are times you go before the Lord and begin to pray. And say, Lord, I am faithful in my own little way. There is no basis for the devourer operating in my finances. Is that not so? When God sent Isaiah to Hezekiah. And said, set your house in order, for you will die. The Bible says, Hezekiah turned to the wall. And he began to tell the Lord, I have been faithful in your house. I have observed your word. I have declared your word. And the Bible says, Hezekiah did what? He wept sore. And the Bible says, before Isaiah left the palace, God said, go back to Hezekiah and tell him, I have added 15 more years to him. The Bible says, bring, bring, your, 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 bring your arguments. Isaiah chapter 1, come, let us do what? Reason together. Can you reason to him, with him? Can you reason with him? You cannot reason to him if your, your standing is flawed from the beginning. You will not fall in Jesus' name. You will not fail in Jesus' name. Why will you be fighting the cross of God that is avoidable? God will give you victory. I say God will give you victory. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Every gate of limitation will be lifted up in Jesus' name. Every gate of lack will be lifted in Jesus' name. Every gate of poverty will be lifted in Jesus' name. You must be found on the side of God. Let's rise on our feet. You must be on the side of God. When you are on the side of God, decisions that are made will have no choice but favor you. When you are on the side of God, the Bible says you shall decree a thing and it shall be established.